Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 122. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture things that interest us. And sometimes there's whiskey. My name is John. I'm joined, as always, by Andrea. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's uh, kind of rare that we get these Wednesday nights together. So I'm glad this worked out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sports on hold, farming on hold. So. Yep. Yep, it's all coming together for us. Yeah, it must be my lucky coin, actually. Maybe that's what it is. When Ashley was gone, she got me this Nintendo, like, chocolate egg thing. Okay. It has, you know, stickers in it and stuff, but it also has a coin, and it features one of my favorite Nintendo characters, Rosalina. Nice. queen of the galaxy, basically. So it's my that's lucky awesome. coin. Yeah. Well, that's really cute and really funny, actually, because uh, this past weekend, um, we revisited the Ren Fest, the Minnesota Renaissance mm. Festival, um, and we took our daughter, Everett, for the first time, which nice. was awesome. We had a great day. Like, we got there early. Um, we were there for Cannon Open, which we've almost never been there oh. for before. Um and, you know, we were kind of going throughout the day and seeing, you know, a bunch of different things. And then we happened upon the royal court and we met my friend Prince Edward. And as like a special first time at the fair gift, he gave her a little gold coin of the realm. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So like both her and you got like special little coins this week. So. Except one of us is in our 30s and the other one is very young. <laughs> Yes, but, one uh, of us is one and a half, but no, it's cute. <laughs> yeah, nice. So like yeah, so I guess I guess it's our lucky coins then, just bringing right. that energy. What did it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll uh, hopefully continue the trend of uh, of luck here with uh, a great episode mm -hmm. of Popcast on the Rocks. We're going to be talking, of course, about House of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Episode seven is what we're on. So the penultimate episode, I believe, of the season. Um, we will be spoilery about that later. Mm -hmm. And then news, few new, news stories, nothing, nothing crazy. A couple new things have been coming out that um, are pretty exciting. Uh, new releases. So we'll, we'll talk about that. And um, before all this fun, let's talk about another kind of fun. <laughs> drinks drink holidays yes yes we've got a plethora so i'll try to run through them fairly quickly um of course we are just wrapping up uh our couple weeks of Oktoberfest that ended on october 3rd uh, but also right before the end of september uh, beginning of october we had the 28th which was drink beer day which i think is pretty simple and straightforward uh yep September 29th, it was Coffee Day, and then closely followed on October 1st by International Coffee Day. So Whoa. I guess you could drink coffee, and then you could drink international coffee if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you want to show how cultured and sophisticated you are, international mm -hmm. coffee. Uh, September 30th was Mulled Cider Day, which is very appropriate and very fall-like. Um, and then on October 1st, once again, um, sticking with our international theme, I guess, it was World Sake Day. And then nice. it also, weirdly, was the beginning of a month called 
Leftover October, which is yeah. actually quite fitting for me today as I am sick, so I'm not participating in any other holiday. So I tried you have to a perfect I tried to, excuse. I do, I do. I tried to drink coffee this morning and it was just like not sitting well with my throat. So Well really? Me and tea. That's where it's at. Okay. Shoot, where's International Tea Day when you need it? I know, I know. Nowhere to be found. I know. I guess I guess the lucky coin can only get me so far. That's true. I mean, yeah, really, it's yeah. Evie's lucky coin, so I shouldn't be taking advantage. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. You go and snatch it up quick. This is mine. <laughs> mine, my precious. Yes. Right, right. Just hold it. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I am partaking in Drink Beer Day. So a little late, I guess, but... Um, Better late you know, than never. Would, yeah, some would say every day is Drink Beer Day. Um, <laughs> So Any day can I be have drink a, beer day. <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of the same with coffee. You know, really? Right. It's going to be every right. day. Um, I have this fun, I got this variety pack from War Pigs. So, um, you know, they're good stuff. And immediately drawn into the art for those watching. Here's oh, the yeah, can. there you go. It's uh, very cool. It's pretty sweet. So um, it's called A Light in the Black. Okay. I think that sounds pretty interesting. German-style mm -hmm. Pilsner. Okay. A storm of light breaks the spell of darkness. I know what I must do. The light guides my hand onward. Mm. So, yes. I just feel it fits our fantasy theme um, with mm -hmm. House of the Dragon. I, I get lots of D&D &D vibes, you know, as I look at this art and all that stuff so so i i agree i feel this is very fitting and also we're going to get into this later but this episode of house of the dragon could have used a light in the dark <laughs> yeah just saying i mean i know it's all over twitter we'll, we'll get there whatever but yep. just, there's a little sneak preview for you yep yep <laughs> um we'll give alan a shout out here he's partaking in the beer drink beer day as well looks like he's he has a hacker uh, Picard. Sure. What is it? Shore. Shore. Hacker Shore. Oktoberfest Marzen. Mm -hmm. Nice. So. See, he's got two. He's checking off two. Yeah. Oktoberfest, Oktoberfest and well. Drink Beer Day. Way to crush so, it. I am prepared, though, in case I get through this beer before the episode is over. I have a secondary can. So I'm going to talk about that now in case so I have to open it. So prepared. I love it. <laughs> so this one, I also thought the art was interesting. This was expensive, so it better be good. Um, <laughs> it's called the like Duchess Petite. So. Ooh. Um, Barrel aged sour ale. Okay. Yes. That is yes. an adorable little can. Uh, yeah. Um, so Duchess Petite is an authentic Flemish red ale. Brewed and bottled in Belgium, this refined ale, also known as the uh, Burgundies of Belgium, is a blend of beer of blah, blah, blend of beer matured in different oak casks for many months. So it's a so. sour red ale. Yeah. Interesting. I've uh, never authentic had that Flemish red ale. Okay, I've never had a sour red ale. Interesting. Definitely, let me know uh, what you think. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, if you pressure me to get through the first one in time for the episode to be done, then you'll hear about it. Chug, chug, chug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who said that? So yeah. So yeah, drinks. Great participation all around. Even by like technicality, sort of with Andrea. I know, so. I know, I know. Eight <laughs> through, man. Yeah. Cling into my technicalities. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, your week. How's your week? Been? Yeah. Um, kind of all over the place, a little varied. Um, I've watched a couple of different things, some continuations, some new. Um, I'll start with continuations. I watched the second episode of this season of Halloween Wars. Loved it uh, because they wanted the contestants to do a Monsters of London theme. And they wanted to do Victorian era, which is literally my scholarly wheelhouse. (laughs) Uh, It's what I have a master's degree in. So uh, I was very impressed and very excited to see this, some of the work in this episode. It was really fun. And even better, I love when this happens. You know how, like, there's teams that compete against each other and you at home, like, you kind of pick, like, who you think, like, the winners are. And then sometimes the judges, like, agree with you. And then sometimes you're like, what? Yeah. Like, how dare you? So not only did I love the theme, but the judges also picked the people that Chris and I thought should win. So it was like, you know, one of those, like, all around, like, good episodes where you're like, thank you. Right people went through, love this theme, awesome. So that was nice. very fun. So yeah, so, so I'm definitely I'm definitely enjoying this season of Halloween Wars much, much more. I've definitely struggled with some of those things in the past with cooking competitions where you're thinking mm-hmm. this person should definitely have won and not this person. But then I realized they I'm pretty sure they selectively edit. Okay, not pretty sure. They selectively edit <laughs> the judges' comments. Sure. So then to make it more unknown. So they might potentially yeah. leave out some negative commentary on one. And so I don't like that because I'd rather yeah. the mystery be removed and me just get the honest feedback. So I feel like right. the tr- best pick is is uh, being chosen. But this is less... It would be it would be more difficult to hide because you can see the end result. It's about a right. visual medium. Right, right. And I mean, like, obviously, there's still, like, some tasting element because they have to, like, taste the cake and make sure, you know, okay. it's not, like, a pile of trash. But, right. yeah, I mean, like, 80 90% is, like, visually what's there and how everything, like, comes together. So, yeah, there's no hiding, you know, if, like, a piece breaks in half or, you know you're missing something on the board, like, I see it. Or, like, if you shape the, you know, cake sculpture and, like, half of it's, you know, oh, my God, you're nailing it, the detail, and the other half is, like, a kindergartner's, you know, paste project, then, yeah, I can see mm-hmm. what's happening here. So, yep. yeah, I, I do like this in that, you know, you can most of the time just get the sense of, yeah, I, I know who's who's definitely, like, winning and who's just it all up right now so yep i also have to say i thought of a it, it was coincidence most likely but I, I love the moment when you said you had your master's degree and you adjusted your glasses just at that time i totally had like a <laughs> like an anime <laughs> moment with like the smart person like adjust and the glasses go yes you know white they flash and then, yeah yeah and then someone's like just 
like there's a loud shriek when they're stunned by the knowledge of the other person or something like that, mm -hmm. or they're just put in their place. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Did, did you feel appropriately put in your place, John? E yes. Yep. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was one of the things that, uh, that I watched this week and quite thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I continued Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I'm halfway through the season. I know you are done, uh, but I'm only through episode five. Hoping to get a little bit more of that next week um, because I was kind of distracted this week by the release one of Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney Plus, yeah. which I came, haha, which uh, I came <laughs> very late. Shame on me. Ah. <laughs> The puns, man, the puns. I just mm -hmm. can't help myself. Um, I came very late to the original Hocus Pocus. I did not see it as a kid, but I saw it as an adult and just like totally fell in love with it. So I was very excited for Hocus Pocus 2. Um, I'll save like any actual spoilerific or detailed commentary. On the whole, it's good for what it is. Like okay. it's a sol it's a solid movie. The premise is good. There are definitely some moments where you just have to suspend your disbelief and like go with some things. Um, but on the whole, I thought they did a very creative and interesting job in like bringing the Sanderson sisters back after like you thought, how would they do that? Like th they should have been like a, kind of all wrapped up with the original movie. Like how would this go? And it was pretty smart. So nice. Yeah, that's good. It was it was fun. It was it was a good time. I mean, nothing to critically write home about, but it, it's solid. Yeah, but it's I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But it it seems like um, you know, it's it's cool that they're they're all back. They can kind yes. of you know and have fun with it. You know, it doesn't yep. feel like it's a forced someone else taking this thing and mm -hmm. you know revitalizing it it just feels like they're coming back and kind of pay tributes to the original that sort of mm -hmm. blew up more than you know maybe expected or something right. and uh, it's kind of lived longer than it maybe should have uh rightfully right. but but it <laughs> has a, a following and a lot of people love it so i, I right. it's fun that it's come back and and they got yes, the people back for it so it's definitely like a mini cult classic i would say yeah for sure. So, yeah. So it's it, like you said, it's just really fun that like the original trio is back. They're clearly just like having a ball with it. Um, they don't try to do like too much else of like dragging any like original stuff back that that feels like, oh, you're like really shoehorning this in or like this is nostalgia sure. too hard. They they yeah. do a nice balance of that. So, yeah, it's cute. Nice. Um, and then I started something else new, just kind of like by accident. Um, I was on HBO Max's website uh, to stream House of the Dragon um, to, to watch episode seven because uh, I wasn't able to watch it live. Um, and I saw like their, their kind of like new homepage was featuring a movie called Eraser Reborn. And just kind of the premise of it intrigued me. And I saw that uh, this is technically a sequel to the original Eraser, um, which is a 1996 film starring Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I knew that it like sort of seemed familiar and I'd heard of it before, but I'd never watched it. So 
started watching the original Eraser uh, with the intent now to like go watch Eraser Reborn too. So we both watched something this week that would be perfect for a retro rewind. Uh, awesome. Kind of I love it. Tell me yours. So. Cause yeah, that's, that's, I mean, other than house of the dragon, that's what I've watched this week. Yeah, boy, it'd be a, it would be a blast from the past to watch your racer again, because I definitely saw that at some point around when it came out. Sure. Uh, um, I don't remember it particularly fondly. I, you know, it's, I don't know. It's sort of that not take don't take too seriously action yeah. sort of movie. Um, it seems it I seems guess like Arnold a solid a lot of but yeah. I mean, I was gonna say it seems like a solid like C plus B minus kind of like action mm-hmm. film. Like I have I haven't finished it, so you know I don't want to okay say too much about it because I don't want to judge before the end. Um, but I mean, it seems like solid. It kind of reminds me of some of the other like mid-level action films that Arnold's done. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's got a very distinctive style and he's got a very s- distinctive style when he's doing an action movie. So, yeah. It seems okay. I mean, it seems okay. Do you, do you have a favorite Arnold movie? A favorite Arnold movie? Oh, boy. Because yeah. I have a favorite and I have an underappreciated. I have sure. Two. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. There's a right answer. There's a right answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to like go through like Arnold's movies. I guess there's a couple uh, right answers or acceptable ones. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I love, and it, I mean, it's cliche, but whatever. I love OG Terminator. Okay. The, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. really do. I love the premise of it. I love the newness of it. I just feel like Arnold's so committed to that. And like, he doesn't have to do a whole lot, which is really kind of a blessing for him. He does, he does enough with the part he's given. Do you know what I mean? Like everything feels Mm -hmm. like the right amount for everything that you take it seriously. Like I know Arnold now can be sometimes thought of like almost of a parody of himself. Right. You know, um as an action star but i really i just think like original terminator is solid it's a good pick you know and what's interesting is a lot of people in this franchise think okay terminator great but then t2 that's the one that's the great one and i mean it is but also like it uh there were there were really great moments and then there were really like just I don't know over the top moments to me it, it mirrors alien because you start sure. with a film that feels more like a horror thing and mm-hmm. then james cameron gets his hands on the sequel mm-hmm. and makes it this really big action thing it's you know big. in first terminator you're you're you have you're underwhelmed underpowered you're running from this new threat right. because in the second well, one you have the protection the beauty. of yeah with both of them, with Alien and with Terminator, the, the beauty is the simplicity in the original. And then the second, like, visually and, and, and partially conceptually stunning. Like, um, the whatever, what is it, like, T-3000 or whatever? The, that, yeah, like, metal, with, liquidy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, conceptually, that is awesome. 
Yep. Like whoever thought of that and brought that in, like that adds some real elements of like, oh shit, this is like a really unstoppable machine. Like, what are we gonna right. do? But then you then you tried too hard to like shoehorn in some like comedic moments and like you know some bonding moments, and everybody's got to have like meaningful character development moment, and they don't always pan out like you think they will. Like some of them mm-hmm. really fall flat. So it just this the sequels I feel like try too hard where like the originals just have I will tell you this very simple but effective story. Yep. Yep. Mini rant. I agree. <laughs> oh, James Cameron, you know? Yeah. Ruining ruining franchises left and right. <laughs> Not ruining. <laughs> changing dramatically. Just yeah, um, yeah. Overhauling yeah. and and yeah. positive and negative. I mean Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my favorite Arnold movie is definitely Predator. Whoa, Alan says he directed the first one. Oh, my God. My entire theory is blown. Oh, my God. He can do simplicity. I am shocked. Wow. Um, Also, Predator is amazing. If I hadn't said Terminator, I would love to say Predator. Absolutely. The original movie is so freaking good. Yeah, I just I don't have anything wrong with it. I don't have any complaints. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's the best Terminator or best Predator movie, and um, <laughs> the only one that needs to exist, in my opinion. Even though there's fun to be had agree. in other places, you know, it's no. it's the only one that need to be there. The original is so amazing. I haven't seen Prey yet. I guess um, one on Hulu or whatever. Oh right, right, right. I haven't either. So I don't know. I mean, I I still feel confident about original Predator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, this is it's interesting. I I guess I should have looked up who directed the first one. It just feels so different from. Yeah, uh, it feels from the second one. He did it. And so unlike other Cameron works, maybe that's unfair. You know, he he did um, what I think True Lies and Titanic and Avatar. Like those are all different. Yeah, True Lies is True Lies is a good underrated one at yes. this point. Or That's what I was gonna say for my underrated Arnold flick is True Lies. Nice. I mean, seeing um, uh, what's her face in that role, like it's such a different. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's a yes. that's a great role for her. She does a really yeah. good job. Um, well, and I feel like Arnold is doing some decent acting in that film. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, it, never, it does never, strike like, that comedic thing with seriousness well. Right. You know? Right. And he's never going to be like an Academy Award winning actor type of deal. You know what I mean? Like, he's never going to be like Denzel just breaking out those dramatic moments. But like, there's some solid acting chops there. This is like the right tone of film for him. Yep. Yep. Um, my underrated, though, I th- still think is uh, the sixth day. <clears throat> that's um, that's got, I believe, Michael Rooker in there as well, and okay. a few other known people. It's a, it's would be considered kind of in the um, cyberpunk genre, I suppose. Sure. It feels like his next take on because we did um, was the going to Mars one again. We talked about right. that one. Um, Total Recall. 
So oh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's like a more modern thing like that. It deals with cloning and stuff. And I haven't seen it in years. So it's possible I'd watch it now and be like, oh, you know, that's really doesn't live up to what I remember. Sure. But uh I always to remember that one having like some emotional impact. And so he did he did well in that one. I, sure. I, that was a movie I always thought oh, Arnold's under underappreciated as an actor. So yeah. But. Uh I'm sorry. I'm I'm yeah, you were right. Michael Rooker is in this. Um and it's Terry Crews's acting debut. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love it's it. It's fun. I I mean, I remember it being fun anyways, so I definitely recognize like the poster and trailer for this, but I have not seen it for sure. So I will definitely have to fix that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that um, Alan's here to correct us because I'm sure there's people yeah. like listening to our conversation there and be like, what are you guys talking about? You idiots. And well, yeah. <laughs> at least now their record can be set straight. Yep. So. Yep. Well done, James Cameron on the OG Terminator. Um, yep. I knew he had he had had some writing credit on that. I did not. I was totally not aware that he had directed it. So. Yeah. Good. Um, the retro movie I I watched was, uh, in the spirit of Halloween is The Thing from 1982. Nice. So it's also like the 40 year yes. anniversary then. Um, yes. Just happenstance. So, yeah, I'd never seen it. Sure. Um, and uh, it it holds up in a lot of ways. It definitely makes a person miss the um, practical effects. Mm-hmm. They did such a good job with the practical effects in that. It's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. And yeah, you know that it's you know it's fake because it doesn't look as you know super real, but right. you also know it's actually there. Something is actually physically there. Tangible. So yeah. that's a different mm-hmm. kind of realism that's uh, that's added to it as well. Yeah, for so, sure. I had I, you know, I don't want to spoil stuff for people that haven't seen this 40-year-old film, but I will say my gripe with it is how these people needed to stick together if they all (laughs) would have just stuck together they could have gotten out of this much better i mean to be fair how many horror movies can you say that about though but it's not an excuse i understand that yes so many actually said too she's it's just a common gripe like i mean it's it's totally a legit one because everybody Mm. does it in horror movies they're just like yes splitting up is a really good idea and you're always just like people i mean it requires more from the from the the writer in that case so Mm -hmm. my thing would have been okay they're attempting to stay together and now you have to you have to come up with a way that they're forcibly split apart right and i can think of a few ways yes mm-hmm. right don't just intentionally put yourself in a right. disadvantaged position it has to be made done to you so yeah right but i enjoyed it nonetheless good so. um ba-bum. spy family is back the second half of the first season just started up on October 1st. So that's episode 13. And I watched that. It was a good first start, um, like picking back up kind of right where we left off, but enough of a sort of recap right at the beginning to 
fill a person in quickly. And um, yeah, I I want to see if this show is going to go more. Um, if it's going to have more meaning or impact somewhere, or if we're going to kind of keep getting each episode, that's it is fun. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Each episode is fun and there's something entertaining that happens and it's well drawn and animated and all that. But like, are we going to lead somewhere that we have more impact or is it not that kind of show? That's what I'd like to know because there is a lot of bebop sort of elements. Um, Though it doesn't feel like bebop, there are bebop elements and bebop does that thing where on individually episodes and things often seem maybe meaningless or just for fun or something but ultimately you get you get beats that kind of progress a larger story that has a lot more meaning so mm -hmm. i'm wondering if this show will have that as well um and then yep you talked about edge runners already just finished that so We'll I'll save talking about that for maybe a review episode or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of interested in going back and watching it in Japanese. Mm, um, okay. Watch it in English first time. Just, just not that I, I really liked the English cast, so it's not for any yeah, problem that well. I have with it. Yeah, um, just would be interesting to hear. Um, and then I also got and read ISOM number one. I so excellent yeah, it, it's uh the first well number one it's the first issue but the first issue in the in the ripaverse so it's going to be the first book to begin expanding um like their own his own universe and read the, i'll read the thing at the beginning i don't think anyone will care about that try to read it quickly <laughs> Um, I'd like to thank everything single supporter, fan, and colleague that helped me make my many dreams come true. But this comic book venture is easily the most ambitious project that I have had the blessing of committing to. The state of the American comic book industry has been an unfortunate spot, and I wanted to be part of the solution. This subculture has given me countless memories, stories, and has been a bridge to lifelong friends. I will not stand idle as bad actors attempt to run it into the ground. So here's something for every longtime customer that went to the comic book shop every Wednesday. For all of the people that have watched their favorite franchises be hijacked, for each person that always wanted to get into an ever-expanding universe but just didn't know where to start, and for all those that simply want to invest in creators that don't hate them, welcome to the Ripperverse. This is the launching pad and just the beginning. I hope you enjoy ISOM, the story of the other characters that are introduced, this story and the other characters that are introduced in this book. And... Um, it was a pretty quick read, but it's pretty sizable as well. Um, I I think if I'm going to rate it, I usually do, a, you know, I like the five scale out of five, but it's kind of limiting sometimes because I feel like I give things fours a lot. <laughs> and then the, everything is fours. So sure. I think this is probably like a seven, seven out of ten for doing a, okay. of a ten scale for a little more nuance the art um generally is good um but it varies sometimes i'm wanting a little more detail in places it's um the color is really really good the color and the choice of color in some scenes really like almost carries some of the art in in spots this comic i think it gets ultimately a seven and not higher because of the it's a lot of setup 
You know, there's a lot of characters that are put in there. They're just kind of barely being introduced. It's all hinting at a larger world. You're all, you know, you're just getting into it. And we're, we're don't, when you're done reading it, you feel like you're just getting going still. Sure. So it's all important setup and it's well done, but you want to have the next volume to read. So it's a lot to, to read the, the whole thing and it's all just set up. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's like you you did the work and now you want the reward of like at least a little bit yeah. of, you know, story. Like I want a taste of the story here. Yep. And yeah. you like you um understandably it's it's different when you're launching a thing, you're launching something. It's not you don't have any um background lore or information baked in. So you don't have you can't rest on any of that stuff. You do have to do that. You do have to build it. Um and that's good, but but I think the thing maybe missing there is something emotional or like mm. gut wrenching or something to happen that really draws you in while you're waiting for the next thing. I I, I sure. feel that with a lot of manga, like something really dramatic or large scale or impactful to the character or something like that happens to pull you in while it continues to world build. Get like the solo leveling we're talking, right? You know, like it doesn't take long to be like, whoa, people are dying, you know, and like mm -hmm. the stakes are set really high for our character, even though we've we have to take time to build what this world is and why we're in this situation. So right, right. Yeah, I mean, I love something like solo leveling where it starts out in media race like just like thrown into like life death scenario. And then we sort of like back up and we're like, Hey, these are hunters and this is the world. And this is how we get these things. And um, yep. it's, I don't know. It's, it's a very well used uh, beginning, like, you know, to get into something, but I think it's super effective in the right scenarios. And yeah, I mean, something yep. like solo leveling is perfect. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's that. That's my week. And um, we'll get into a few news stories here. Um, I guess sticking, we'll shuffle this around with this a little bit, sticking with the comic book news um, oh, or sure. comic book related news, Deadpool kind of blew up um, <laughs> the internet a little bit this week, um, interestingly. So Simple and we effective. had. Yeah, you know, it was strange. We had um, we had D23 that passed by, and I didn't, didn't really notice it. Um, but then out of nowhere, um, after the event, and uh, what, week, even just a week or two later, I forget when it was, we get the, just a little video from uh, Ryan Reynolds here and the surprise that Hugh Jackman is coming back as Wolverine. Yes, so. I mean... It's so perfect. It's it's obviously something that these two actors are just going to have a ball with. And so I think it's just like something super simple. Um, you know, obviously like the the setup was great. The like I'm working so hard, you know, I'm putting my yeah. soul into that. I have nothing. Yeah. Uh, except, <laughs> except surprise my buddy Hugh Jackman. So I have everything. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah so it was a, it was a great 
you know, video in terms of like the, the crafting the message and setting up, you know, your expectations to fall flat and then be raised up even higher. But also like great job on recalling like, hey, we missed D23. Hey, it's okay. Like <laughs> kind of everybody missed it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a great like callback yeah, of like, right. oh, right. I feel like I missed D23. I should probably like go check out what happened. So just a, like a lot of great marketing happening there. Yeah. Do you, how do you, what do you think? So firstly, I'm a little surprised that Deadpool isn't further along at this point. It's been, a, it's been quite a while. And I mean, do we really you know, not think it's further along though? I mean, I know in the trailer, he's like, I have nothing. And, and we've been working on this forever, but like, yeah, I mean, that, that could just be totally like a ploy. And then like a month later, we're going to get like Deadpool release date. But I don't Happy think it's day. I don't think it's filming yet, or they're just starting. I I thought it would they were suggesting know. late twenty twenty four. Wow, that would be uh, that would be quite a ways away. I'd be shocked. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, you can find twenty twenty four. So that, that's me. It's like what you know. I feel like they took way too long to get a green light. And how can we, will we have Deadpool in our universe? Can we, where do we, where does he fit all this stuff and just kind of sat by or maybe it's wait and see if someone forgets about it. I don't know. And, yeah. um, I mean, it's not, it's not a terrible, um, it's not a terrible thing to have a little bit of gap and like have people make no. Deadpool. But yeah, this does feel a bit far. Because uh, 2018, 2018. Yeah, wow. Six years. Woof. You know, that's. That's crazy. I can't even believe it's been that long. Yeah, right. So yeah, the qu question will be then. What role do you think Hugh Jackman's Wolverine will play? What do you think it's going to be a central thing? I've heard some people think suggest it's going to be kind of a buddy cop thing. My thought was maybe it'll be, you know, it'll be a shorter thing, cameo. not exactly cameo, but shorter yeah. and kind yeah. of designed to introduce slash turn over the Wolverine title to X twenty three. Sure. Um, I don't. I, what do you? How do you envision they'll use him in this? Because I Hugh mean, Jackman really seemed like he was done. Yeah, I mean, obviously, buddy cop movie would make a lot of sense for these two because the chemistry is very real there. So it'd be hard not to imagine taking advantage of that. Um, I mean, it also means it could all go very wrong if they lean too heavily on that, and everybody's like, "Oh boy, like this is right. over the top." Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I think buddy comedy makes buddy cop kind of comedy makes a lot of sense. Um, I, yeah, I can't imagine they would have this big of an announcement and have him not have a substantial role. Sure. So mm -hmm. I would, I would guess he's, he appears in at least half, if not more of the movie. Okay. Like that's, that's how sizable I think his role is going to be. Sure. I mean, I can't obviously speak for certain on like what they're going to do with him um, or maybe they're going to like go against expectations and, and it's going to be more of a like battle in terms of like the OG, like <laughs> going back to like 
Ryan Reynolds' first appearance as Deadpool as Wade Wilson, and it was just you know like this weird, awkward battle royale. Um, I mean, I you know I just can't say, but yeah, I I say he appears in at least half the movie, whatever the role. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, I guess bittersweet because presume presumably they'll be bringing, um, Deadpool specifically into the MCU, and I guarantee you they're not going. They one wouldn't if they had the choice, I think, and two, Hugh Jackman wouldn't like sign him to be Wolverine in the MCU. So this will be, no. I imagine this will be the one and done. And then, so yeah. that means we'll have to figure out some way why this Wolverine is here and then maybe not use the Wolverine at all when they get into um, th- the rest of the things. I still think they're just going to go X-23. It won't be, you know, sure. there won't be Logan Wolverine. I mean, the nice thing about Deadpool, as we saw, gosh, I think in Deadpool too, right? when he was like when Deadpool was going through and like killing all the random like Ryan Reynolds including the one that oh, was, was like it? I wasn't that in in Deadpool uh, or where was that maybe i mean that would make sense with given cables like time travel right kind wasn't of it, abilities, wasn't that so. part of the movie like where did he do that maybe. where he was just like killing ra- random Ryan Reynolds including the one that was about to do uh green lantern yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like yeah. so Dead Deadpool can just do stuff and like break a fourth wall and yeah. just be like this real thing that you know is happening in my movie now. And it's a real yeah. reference and it's like tongue in cheek and we all get it. So it's just happening and accept it. Yeah. So right. I mean, th- that's the beauty of these movies, is just like things happen and you're like, anything happens here. So right. whatever we do you're just already sort of like bought into like the meta-ness of it. Yep. If there's any property with the way it has been done to just keep outside the MCU and have it be its own thing, Deadpool would be that thing. Right. So. Um, sticking on the Marvel track and comic mm-hmm. books and movie is the Blade movie. Um, that had some unexpected news the other day, all of a sudden as um the director said i'm done yes um so they ep but he is not going to direct anymore okay yeah um i mean i feel like this is going to become more common or whatever or maybe there's just some directors that have this idea that they're going to come in and be able to handle a marvel property and really they find out it's pretty pretty strict and rigid what they're allowed to do it's like no we've kind of set in place this thing for you to do we're expecting you to execute that thing and then kind of well i kind of wanted you know i thought i was making this movie and and you have conflict there you know um yeah well and the other thing i mean it looks like from this article is that there's not a whole lot there to the script And we were just Mm -hmm. talking about um, a couple of weeks ago about how like so many directors and casts and effects teams are being asked to film movies that are like basically half written and then they just make it up as they go along. Um, And I I just feel like maybe some directors just are like, I can't work like this. Like I just, I need, 
the A to Z. I need the plan. I need everything fleshed out. And Marvel, I mean, one, they're clearly flying by the seat of their pants and they're totally fine with just like, hey, big conceptual project, like go with it, run with it. Um, so one, they're they're totally fine with just things being conceptual. And two, they're on a very tight timeline for the amount of things that they're planning to get released. So they have no they have no like wiggle room. I mean, some of the things are internal deadlines, I'm sure, and they can be right. They could be moved if they wanted to, but they don't seem like they want to. So that that I think is a lot of pressure for somebody to be under. And if you don't want to work like that, then I mean, yep, get out because <laughs> you're not going to get you know any grace from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Because you know the question is, and I don't know how Hollywood is working with that right now. It if you sign up to do a Marvel project and it's no good but you didn't have a lot of control over it. Is that bad for your name or does that ultimately help you in the industry because you made a Marvel movie and you played ball? You know, I mean, yeah, I feel Um, like just customer wise, you know, if anyone pays attention to that, I feel like you can make a mediocre to solid Marvel movie, but you can't make a bad Marvel movie. Sure. You can't make like, tank you know what i mean mm-hmm. um something like i mean i guess uh, i not an unpopular opinion but like thor dark world eh, mm-hmm. bad 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 or if i mean and, and i know this is like mcu adjacent uh but you can't make a morbius sure and you can't make just like an absolute bomb like that and come back from that kind of stuff so yeah nobody nobody wants to be the director who like bombed a marvel movie because so many of them are so solid to good. You know what I mean? They're not all good. They're not all great. But so many are just like solid enough that you mm-hmm. just can't be the person who fails. Sure. And if you don't have a lot of control over it and you fail, no one nobody's going to you're, nobody you're take like, the blame. Right. Exactly. Nobody says like, oh, obviously it was the studio executives not giving you enough control. It's your movie. Yeah. Yep. So. And, uh, yeah, um, what's his name? Marshala Ali, right? It's a Mahershala. Um, yeah, he, um, you know, you know, expressing, um, um, his unhappiness with stuff as well. I think it's too bad. Cause I think he's a good cast. I think that's a, yeah, that's I a agree. good cast for, for blade. Um, yeah, but yeah, I agree. No, we'll and see. I, I won't lie. I am just such a huge fan of the original Blade with Wesley Snipes. Mm. I am. I truly am. I love the original Blade movie. Product of its time, but but well but done and so, seems like so it... good for its time. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are obviously limitations, but like there's nothing that just like sticks out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean? Right. We're just like, I wish it's it's all good. Right. Um, well, in, um, other, I guess, disappointing to some news, (laughs) um, I thought of a transition to a different thing, whatever, we're sticking with it, Google Stadia, um, Google Stadia to not many people's surprise, I would say, is shutting down next year. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
made no waves. Uh, no, no one cared. No. They they Nobody killed their cared. own game development studio a while back. That was right. definitely. I mean, already from the get go, I'm like, well, okay, this is Google. Are they going to stick with it? They like to not stick with things at times. So, narrator um, hint: they were not. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's it's too bad because people did say that the performance was good i never mm -hmm. tried it but i heard the performance was quite solid so it did work but um i don't know you get companies that just think they can you know throw some money at something and then when it doesn't perform within a short span of time um then uh you know axe it it's like what did you expect like do you want to as a company do you want to be involved in one of the biggest forms of future entertainment in terms of creating it and having a platform for it or not? You know, like how, how invested are you? Are you going to, are you going right. to do it or not? And Google's like, ah, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's try it for a couple of years. And then not fully commit at all though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to like try it, but then like slowly back away from it. And then pretend <laughs> like it didn't happen. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. The, the wavering, the indecisiveness just kills me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, fortunately, anyways, all the players are going to be getting refunds. So anyone that did invest or jump in will get their money back. That's so. at least decent of them. Yep. Speaking of some properties that some people wanted their money back for... Um, CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk yeah. 2077, but just in general, the company is in the news because they had a little, um, I don't know, showcase or whatever, and talked about their sort of future roadmap for the company and their games. Mm -hmm. And what I was going to say from the previous story is like, speaking of biting <laughs> off more than you can chew, uh, cause Ooh, like Marvel's yeah. heavy schedule, CDPR has this roadmap that, um, it's, it consists of a new trilogy of Witcher games mm -hmm. based on Unreal Engine 5, so a new engine for them, mm -hmm. a more mainstream multiplayer sort of focused-ish Witcher world game, mm -hmm. a new IP that's mm -hmm. unknown to us, and then a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077. And, and the another... three Witcher games are supposed to all come out within six years of each other. Holy like wow. The trilogy done in six years. So that's insane. Yeah. Um, I see they they have so I'm looking at uh the two related Witcher projects. One is the spin-off that they're gonna develop. No. Two two outside studios are gonna develop these spin-offs and built oh. in the universe game. Oh, oh this is this is kind of like a weird way to say that so like the serious the spin-off with solo and multiplayer mm. elements is developed by molasses flood studio and then canis majoris is a full-fledged witcher universe game right which is like vague <laughs> and just built by an outside developer so no like actual studio attached to that yeah it's so it's un it feels unclear how much like Project Red will be involved or not in those. 
Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Just the way this is like mm-hmm. worded here. I'm just sort of like, so what it, are they in, out, co-developing, overseeing, just giving like random creative input? Yeah. I mean, still, like, whatever level invo- of involvement, I mean, they're still going to be attached to it. Yeah. So sure. it's at some point in the game development, I'm sure there's going to be manpower put into this. But yeah, holy cow. It's interesting that, you know, like people are having trouble. They're outsourcing a lot the way it is. So I get that. But it's it's a it's just a lot to tackle. You know, I, you know, yeah. figured you're sizing up your team. Um, that obviously is a risk, but it's also risky to hand over your the IP you control to someone else. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll end up. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a lot. I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited um you know we'll get the next we'll get the current gen to make witcher 3 um like um not compatible but able to fully utilize the current gen hardware uh, we'll get that that's fun and i imagine they'll keep going with the gwent game and and more witcher story is fun and maybe they'll be doing more netflix witcher yet so it'll be lots of witcher available and um I'm wondering, you know, how long have they been planning to do a cyberpunk sequel? Um, mm. Like, are they yeah. in development of that? Or is it like, well, can we make people? I don't know. I just wonder if that was part of the plan the whole time or what? Yeah. I mean, my guess is it was thrown out there before and they were just sort of like waiting to gauge interest. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, so I I bet uh, this is like very rough conceptual. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like we have a few di- yeah. ideas kind of like left over. Let's do a broad sketch and then just like put it all on ice until we've recovered. Yeah. And now now is like a golden moment. The, the sad thing for me is I would like to continue with my character and story from the first game and with the way the game is set up and some things, I won't spoil stuff. I don't see that particularly as a viable option. Sure. So it's going to have to, yeah. So it's going to have to be all different. You know, I really want a, a cyberpunk game that doesn't end or at least doesn't end for a long period of time something that you buy the game and then um, there's continual expansions, whether they do it in a season thing or expansion pack thing to keep kind of growing the world. Um, Because that's part of the thing we're going to get, you know, everybody's will be attempting to do with metaverse or is what you get with a multiplayer online game, like world of Warcraft or something like that. You, you have a, it's continual world and your player continues as well. So the progression and everything, like there's no break point where, okay, that one's done now. I have to start over and it's different. Um, I just, if you want to believe and fully live in this cyberpunk world, which I do, I'd like to just to have it to continue. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be an online thing or whatever with other people. It still can be an individual single player game, but, I don't know. Well, don't know. You never know. I mean, we have no yep. details about it, so. Yep. Can, I'm excited nonetheless. <laughs> you yep. can still dream mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point. 
Yep. Um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, last bit of news before we get into some yeah, hot D. Speaking of dreams, Jeff Bezos <laughs> gambled on his dream. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this new... Um, I've been seeing a lot of talk about this throughout the week. There's this new, as far as I understand, new Nielsen... Uh, you know, they do ratings and stuff for things, predict people's mm-hmm. viewer, viewership and all that. They have a new one for streaming services. And so, mm-hmm. um, as you know, it's, again, we've talked in weeks past, it's very weird predicting how things do and trying to guess because streaming services are not beholden to give numbers. So yes. everybody's trying to figure out how to manage this and so a third part a third parties all over the place will make something create some sort of calculation and then there are so many of them you can almost always find one it's kind of like if you're launching a movie and you're putting your trailer out in while it's in the theaters you can always find some comments to say it's amazing you can always quote someone well there's so many of these or whatever we're all trying to figure out who's accurate and who's doing whatever but anyways, Nielsen has a good name generally in the in these mm-hmm. things, and so um, their new uh, online streaming um, statistics suggest that uh, Rings of Power is doing quite well thus far mm-hmm. in terms of U.S. viewership. So it's a very long way for me to say that, but mm-hmm. just trying to give it context. It's um, it looks like it's it's doing well. It's uh, everybody's, of course, trying to stack it up against House of the Dragon. That's of you know because similar genre, they launched very similar time frames, all this sure. sort of thing. So that's always the comparison. Um, so you'll find a lot of these comparisons online right now. Um, I think to me the takeaway is that both of them are doing pretty well in this current mm-hmm. climate where. Uh, there's a lot of choices um, and people are choosing often to spend their time in other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me this, yeah, like you're kind of echoing what you're saying. Like both of them are doing well. I checked out the top 10 streaming programs and it's hilarious to me that game of Thrones came in just over house of the dragon, which suggests to me that a lot of people probably wanted to, go watch Game of Thrones or rewatch certain pieces before streaming House of the Dragon. Um, yeah. So I, and, and there's just not that like one-to-one kind of thing with Lord of the Rings. Do you know what I mean? Like you could go back and watch, rewatch the movies, but I just don't think there's like that much of a tie where I feel like in people's minds, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon are so much more intimately connected. And it doesn't mean right. that their their actual stories are, but I think people feel like I have to watch Game of Thrones or I want to watch Game of Thrones before I get into House of the Dragon. Sure. Yeah, I, I it'd be interesting to know what if people are well, we're going to start rewatching this while because we just want more while we're waiting for the new episode of House of the Dragon. Right. Or if it's like, like you say, literally, okay. Okay, well, I want to watch this before, you know, or yeah, what's the 
right or the people there. the people who maybe never finished game of thrones because they were upset and and angry and, yeah. ending, and they were like oh fine i just gotta like sit through it yeah and then like get into house of the dragon i don't know mm-hmm. it i wonder what um how house of the dragon would be doing because most of the comparisons they usually do um i think this one we have from msn is uh points it out anyways some other ones don't um that uh the streaming numbers from this nielsen one here is streaming it's not counting accounting for cable or satellite so a big portion of house of the dragons viewership comes from literal cable or satellite yet which is you know predicted through more traditional means of, of viewership there and like relies a lot on for ratings the first 48 hours or something like that whatever it is you know right um all that sort of thing whereas of course rings of power is only available on a streaming platform right so if yeah the yeah yeah i was just gonna say it seemed it I mean the article slant seems to suggest that like some sort of composite rating for house of the dragon isn't really possible you know mm. what i mean because obviously like you said the rings of power is only available on streaming so you can't really do a composite there like you just get the numbers you get but like what would what would house of the dragons actual viewership minutes look like if we could do like some sort of composite and maybe they can in the future maybe they're figuring out a way to do that because you know a more direct comparison of actual viewership would be interesting Mm -hmm. rather than just like relying on only streaming where like you can't count what impact live TV might have. Yep. I wish someone had the balls to just give us the numbers. Like some streaming service was just like, here they are. Here are the sure. our viewership for all our shows and stuff. And just put it out there because I, I understand of course, why you don't again, you want that mystery and everything. And, but just you know this they know the shows that are succeeding and not let the customers know it and then you know they they have to they don't have to be like when something they cancel something and everybody's oh why did you cancel that why'd you cancel it if you have the actual numbers in front of people like look no one was watching it no one was watching it here's the numbers here's the chart this is the amount of people i'm sorry like not enough people you know as a I feel like that's not always the reason, though. So that's why exactly. they don't want to care time. <laughs> so this way they can still be like, well, you don't know. And people can speculate about it and they can cancel stuff uh, for any reason that they want to and pretend like, you know, yeah. if there's rumors circulating about the numbers like, oh, that was the reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can I can wish all I want about that. Definitely yeah. happen. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah. not. But. This is a yeah. this is an interesting um, sneak peek into you know what streaming viewership is is focused on right now. Yep, yep. All right. Um, I noticed you didn't say you watched any more Rings of Power. Just didn't have time there. You you're through episode two, right? Yeah, yeah. Chris and I were going to watch um, episode three, and then just kind of like ran out of time for sitting down to something that long. Yeah. Um, right. So we were, we were planning on it, but then we had a busy weekend between some family parties and the Renaissance Festival and um, 
Chris was on a on a trip this week, so we just we kind of fit in what we could where we could. So yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, well, planning on getting back to it. Um that's Rings of Power, that's House of the Dragons, some numbers. Um but the only number I care about right now is number seven. It's the most magical number. And it's the episode of Hot D that we um, we were treated to this last week. Yeah. Um, coming off of episode six, we were both a little cooler on that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, or just we seem to both agree that it was the weakest episode thus far and yes. also the cast change episode. So, um, but yeah, episode seven, did it did it um, pick back up or did it? Uh, slide further down i i think in some ways it definitely picked back up uh because this episode felt very we are ramping up to serious conflict because we are getting our kids involved in our conflicts now in very real concrete ways not just like whispers and telling them stuff it's like we had an all-out kid brawl in this mm-hmm. episode, so we could see how like the parents' behavior is affecting them and setting up, um, and we have spoilers up, so I'll say it straight out: setting up civil war to come. Yeah, right. So yeah, so I I do feel like the stakes were growing in this episode, um, for you know just like real meaningful conflict that is happening. Um, even if it's still based, in my opinion, on a bunch of absolute BS. Okay. Like the, the root source of this conflict is absolute smoke and mirrors BS. But that doesn't mean that that can't have real ramifications as kids internalize this conflict and it grows and it creates incidents that that are um, more real to them. And I'm talking, of course, about like what one of the biggest things that that happened in this episode is uh, one of Allison's kids uh, lost an eye in this kid brawl. And so that to me is something that like, obviously, in future conflicts, that's something real and tangible that you remember. It's not just like I feel slighted by my friend because like they told a lie or they didn't tell me the full truth of something. It's like, no, I lost an eye. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is this is real for me now. Yep. Um, I, ha- I I saw an article that I didn't read. I just had, saw the headline and I thought the headline was interesting. Um, mm. It was um, how millennial of me. <clears throat> it was like. Um, the show has like you know, set the stage and has chosen a side, you know, it's like, it feels like the showrunners have chosen who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like the show and the store, like at first there's a lot, there's moving a lot of great characters. You don't know, everybody is kind of on the same side. And then like you say, we're leading towards a civil war is the show choosing a side. Is the show choosing a side? Yeah. Ooh. Um. I f- I feel like a little bit because I know I've chosen a side, and I feel like the show is slanted that way, although not fully committed, but definitely 
yeah, I, th- I would say a little biased for sure in okay. setting up in setting up. I believe the Targaryens, the the full blooded <laughs> Targaryens, yeah. um, as like our not quite heroes, but maybe like anti hero s good ish guys because nobody's good. Right. Yeah. In this show. And I, I do think that is something the show does well. But yeah, I do. I do think the show is a little like biased towards the side of like Rhaenyra, Damon, um, even even Viserys to a point, because I think he's become a sympathetic figure. Even when yeah. you're frustrated with him, I do think you just feel bad for him because he wants so badly to have these this, you know, tension dissolved this family reunited he does want peace so badly and i don't think it's just for the sake of peace i think he just genuinely wants the people in his life to get along yeah um, and suffers when they don't so yeah so i think even he's kind of become this like a bit pitiable but sympathetic character yeah yeah i you do feel bad for him and he's sort of the one that sees that this is meaningless. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, in the last episode, how we needed to be reminded of the stakes and what's, you know, what's really at play here. And because otherwise it does feel meaningless, but at the same time, when we see this sort of civil war and this breakdown, um, I buy it as believable as silly as it is, how many conflicts throughout history have been for purely emotional reasons or because someone wants their name on something there's someone wants the seat of power or whatever you know um just you imagine a a family breakdown family inheritance squabble or whatever well now those make those people be the ones that rule over all of some Mm -hmm. country you know all of westeros in this case yeah, yeah. I think I think this episode did a really great job because the last episode was just so much about like the nothingness of the conflict, you know, and there wasn't any meaningful growth in it and it just still felt like the same petty drama recycled 10 years later. This episode did a really good job of turning that nothing into something. And mm-hmm. like I said, kind of showing us the way that petty squabbles can turn into huge blow-ups when you pass it along to other people, especially your kids. Um, because this episode really reminded me of both the nothingness of like the beginning point of how like on, for me on Alicent and the high tower side, it's ba- basically auto gaslighting Alicent into like, into like being pitted against Rhaenyra and there's really a lot of nothing there at the heart of that conflict but when you say it enough and you believe it enough and you reiterate it enough in different ways and you pass that on to your kids and they internalize that and create an actual conflict it's now something like Allison now has something to be mad about which is her kid losing an eye which is perfectly legitimate i mean as a mom like i would be absolutely livid that is a real something that you can point to now and that's a real manifestation of allison's fixation on 
you know, Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra is going to kill my children if she ascends the throne and her kids will attack my kids and blah, blah, blah. So this is like basically auto gaslighting her into believing that and then circumstances lining up to prove her correct. Right. Rather than her fears actually being founded on anything. Right. Substantial. It's now like yeah. the reverse. Uh, but that again, that doesn't mean it's not real for her now. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good point. That's a good way to 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 see it where you you know, you can be worried about something that doesn't exist or worried about a you know a nothing burger thing. You can think of it like um think of it like a conspiracy theory. You're super worried about something that is like you know, someone feels has no basis anywhere. And then something happens that for of no consequence to whatever was supposedly happening before fits in well with that. With and that now it's real. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Now it's real. And uh, so, yeah, I and looked at it that way, but I can see that, that take and that, that makes sense. And, and she obviously needed that because she was going down. Well, for going down this path to continue down this path, she clearly needs those sorts of things um, because for her to do something, though not intentionally, um, so dark in the previous episode, um, or have that put on her anyways, um, to keep going down this path and not eventually be like, no, this is too far, this is too much. You're gonna need those things to to keep you a believer, so. right. Right. Yeah, no. Now now that like this conflict has happened, she has what she feels is like legitimate reasoning for, mm -hmm. you know, future future transgressions or actions or, you know, kind of escalations of however large this gets. I mean, Allison can now point to this incident as like this is my justification here. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I think as viewers, we were very much like, but it's nothing. Like, right, you know, and I and I do still feel like in a lot of this episode, the origination is still nothing, and we're we're reminded of that as you know every comp complaint that like Allison lays out during her kind of mini breakdown during this confrontation of like whose kids are you gonna believe, um, and all of her like my life is a trap and I'm unhappy and, you know, all I have is my children. I mean, she blames a lot of that. She points to Rhaenyra as like the source of her blame because she's like, I got trapped in my life and Rhaenyra didn't get trapped in hers. This feels hypocritical. And so she fixates on like the fact that Rhaenyra isn't being punished for not doing like what was expected of her. But it's really all of this like anger and resentment and unhappiness with her life can just be literally laid at her father's feet. Yeah. Because and Otto she could is have the one who not. Right. She could have not. She, right. So yeah. So like Otto is the one who pushed her into Viserys's bed. So there's step number one that you can be, you know, angry at your dad for sending a 15 year old girl into this mess. And step number two, like, be angry at yourself. I mean, don't hate Rhaenyra just because she was strong enough to be like, I don't got to do what my dad tells me to do. I kind of want to do my own thing. And her dad was like, cool. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's sort of, I mean, 
I mean, Vernier lucked out a little bit in the father lottery of like him being more accepting, but also sure. like Allison could have had a backbone. And also that's not Rhaenyra's fault that she didn't. Yeah, it's um it, to me, I see it as sort of a lesson in the need for balance because both women are now in positions that are um, trying and difficult for them, maybe at least in part due to, on Allison's case, the uh, stick to order and obedience and what you're, what's expected of you that just blindly go along with that. And then on Rhaenyra's side of, of like complete disregard for all of that, they really right. like kind of wander up into a marriage that, you know, she's now has bastard children. So it's right. like on both sides, they needed a little bit of, you could have taken a little bit of each, each thing. You're like, no, you know, for Allison, knowing kind of where hopefully, obviously she's young. So, you know, there's only so much you can falter, but knowing where to, draw the line in my in my obedience and my duty what's too far possibly and then with Rhaenyra knowing like understanding the position you're in and the good fortune you have in this position and like taking those things where they are and then you know grabbing your freedom where you can as well you know some somewhere in the middle here they both could yeah. have been a lot happier yeah, and this this episode does set up some some interesting um some interesting concessions to some of that where we get, you know, several conversations between Rhaenyra and Lenor saying, you know, we tried. She's like, I wanted to have your heirs. I didn't want to be put in this position, you know, like we we they clearly tried multiple times. Said a although, few times. I'm like, that's not enough. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's. I feel like that was intentionally the few vague. Times we lay together, right? Um, I feel like that was intentionally vague because we're still not exactly sure what went wrong. Like, did they? Sure. Did, you know what I mean? Like, could somebody not perform? Did the act happen or not? Right. Yeah. Like, was you know? Did they try and give up? Did they try fully and nothing was happening? Like, is you know? I mean. Clearly, if somebody is not, I don't capable, know what you mean. You're going to, have to explain. I don't know. <laughs> right? Should I draw a picture too? Maybe use some hand puppets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but clearly, if somebody's not capable, don't mean to point fingers, but it's not Rhaenyra uh, because mm -hmm. she's clearly capable of, you know, having children. Right. Um, yep. But you know, I mean, there's certain concessions that she could have made. Um, obviously, they tried. To what degree, we don't know. But after the first kid was, you know, she tried with Harwin and was seeking her pleasure elsewhere. Um, and after the first ki kid came out with, like, dark hair, she could have been like, okay, like, nobody's really going to believe that this is Laner's son. At least yeah. I should maybe lay with somebody who's blonde-headed <laughs> so yeah. we can fake it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. could have tried a little harder to pass off other children as Lanor's. Yeah. You know. Well, it's it's the, again, like, you know, it was a reluctant acceptance of the responsibility and the position she was born into and stuff. Right. And so it's kind of like I, the whole way, you know, it, it's just not not really having it. It was always a half yeah. measure, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was a really smart thing to do. Um, 
they both probably just should have been a little more committed to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was a really smart thing to do politically. Obviously they were like sewing back up the, the divide that was created between Targaryen and Valarian houses. Um, when Viserys totally effed everything up by not marrying Lena. Um, so it was, it was a smart political move to like bring them back together, consolidate some solid power from the houses of Valyria and it's probably the best that both of them were going to do in terms of happiness of like, we have to get married. Our preferences are not for each other, but this arrangement can work. Like we seem friendly mm -hmm. and this is a way we can both like get what we want. So it's a smart measure to take. Like I said, they just should have been more committed to the, the act of it. Yeah. And maybe a well, little a little more discreet in their you know seeking pleasures elsewhere what's the husband's name again um laner uh, laner okay um do we not have yeah. it on our list how do you spell that uh, l-a-l-a-e-n-o-r okay um yeah i thought it was you know i got i was really disappointed by him uh you know, that he didn't, you know, didn't stand by and like perform that role well as husband yeah. and father. Yeah. Like regardless, uh, just that was disappointing. So then I was, I was excited when he decided to recommit himself and yes. well, you know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, I mean, far too that, late. Right. We'll get there because that, that sort of like back 10, 15 minutes of the the end of the episode was a lot of like sliding things happening in succession. Yeah. And I really liked the pacing of everything because it felt like it was picking up and you thought it was going to go one direction and then it completely went another. And I really mm -hmm. loved that. So, yep. Yeah. So um, the episode was interesting. Uh, we have a shot of it here, sort of, uh, you know, we got funeral and everybody's standing around very awkwardly. We sort of have different, kind of conversations here and there, you know, adults trying to tell kids to like, you know, talk to one another. And, um, um, I, I love the line. Um, one of the, um, the, uh, Valerians kind of the head of the house or whatever he said, um, is it Corliss? Yeah. Corliss. Yeah. Um, I think it was him talking to, one of Rhaenyra's kids saying, you know, you're going to be the leader oh, yeah. of head of here or whatever someday and stuff. So you should do this. And the kids just like, I don't want any of this. That means that means everyone I know is dead. And it's like, that's a, yeah, good way to, to look at it. Like all these people, again, these, the machinations of all these adults for, for what, you know, and it, that's the thing. Like the only thing, they have to fear really is themselves because at this point, if they do the things like Rhaenyra had said, they, they stick together, they act as a family. There isn't the threat, you know, they, if, if you have the Valerians and the auto, you know, high towers and uh, the Targaryens and they're, they're unified, or even if you have the Lannisters and your council now and stuff, and everybody's kind of behind and sees the strength of and unity here. The other families aren't going to rebel 
because right. there's a because that was our the impetus for all this again. Oh my god, there's gonna be a queen. And so if if you shore up the strength here, you're just not, I just right. don't buy you're gonna have this all out right, you know, assault, especially then with new heirs to right. like before you know it, it changes again. The right. citizens don't the citizens don't care about this. There's not going to be an upheaval from the citizens. I just don't believe right. that either. And the other houses, if you are on good terms with everyone, they're not going to either. Everybody's right. pockets are being lined and they're, you know, borders being defended. Right. Yeah. This this show is uh clearly making it all about the internal conflict that's driving literally all of this because we've seen no other houses really have a stake or care or show yeah. that like if Rhaenyra becomes queen we're just going to raise hell yeah. in fact the, the only time we've seen any real concrete meaningful opinion about Rhaenyra being queen was when they all bent the knee because Viserys was like yeah. here's my new way. do it yep yep I mean and then it's just the word of people saying that she won't be accepted Right, but. right. I mean, sure, there's been, like, little tiny, like, Lannister just imagining that, like, Aegon's going to be named heir because, like, doesn't that make sense? And, like, you'll be my queen and you're not going to be, like, anybody else's queen. Or that play that, you know, Rhaenyra and Daemon saw where the common people were like, oh, like, Rhaenyra sitting on the Iron Throne, we don't love it. Like, those were such, like, weak attempts to like show that that i just don't believe there's actually any real sentiment towards we need to take action yep so yep. clearly this show is just all about the internal like driving this mm -hmm. they mentioned um the um what is it um do i have the whiskey here no i don't have the, it's um martell um oh, yeah, they, I think they mentioned them maybe, and you can't, can't trust them and stuff. Um, so maybe they'd be some sort of threat. I don't know where they're at or how powerful or, you know, obviously, yeah. do they have the wealth that they do in Game of Thrones time? Right. Or is that not yet acquired? Um, but yeah. But I think I think it is a smart, it's a, it's a frustrating on one hand, uh, sequence of events because on the one hand we're all just like if you guys could just like get over yourselves this would mm -hmm. be fine yeah on the other it is a good way to differentiate this show from game of thrones because yes. game of thrones was all about outsiders vying yes. and different houses vying for power and this is literally just like internal civil war ripping each other apart so yep. it is like it is on the one hand a good thing on the other like it does struggle sometimes then with a believability because you're so focused on these families that it can be a little bit detrimental to not show some outside perspectives. Yep. Yep. But I, I mean, like I say, I, I do, as long as there's the right reminders here and there, I do completely believe it. Um, seeing more than one family go through just inheritance problems again oh, just yeah, yeah. normal families and stuff with nothing but, like this at stake so yeah like the crux sure. of the crux of this like i said especially with this episode is really very real 
in its in its execution. It's just, you know, sometimes, like you said, like when everybody's like, oh, Rhaenyra, like everybody's going to just like panic at the thought of Rhaenyra being queen instead of there being a king. Like it is a little like, well, we've seen almost no outside opinions. So yep. that don't dwell on that too much because then it, it drags down the believability factor. Yep. Um, let's see. So we are, um, a bit, another big moment of the show is, uh, so we'd already talked about the fight with the kids and mm-hmm. that fight, um, stems mm-hmm. from the idea that, um, I think it's, I think it's Aegon, Resin, isn't Aegon that loses the eye, the no, young one? Aemond. It's Aemond. Okay. So Aemond, um, going and kind of mustering their courage and the confidence to approach the like largest living dragon or whatever and manage to um claim it essentially the yeah the um a dragon that was not expected to go to him Mm -hmm. um what do you what do you think of this move i mean do you do you feel the kid is like well i'm gonna take this dragon from my cousins here or whatever or is it more like there's an opportunity here like yeah to me it's a bit of both yeah it's a bit of both um obviously we've seen aemond be bullied and ridiculed for being the prince without a dragon like the only kid which we never really saw that like Helena had one there, uh, right. Viserys and Allison's daughter, but we're just like expected to go with it that she has one. And somehow Aemond is the only kid without one. Um, so I get from the previous episode, there's, there's an aspect of sympathy there. Cause he's been so bullied and ridiculed and persecuted. And um, he's feeling desperate on the other hand, like, yeah, this is a, this is a shit sneaky move like just going in there and claiming uh vagar like what days moments after you know lena's funeral mm-hmm. i i mean it, it's yeah it's it's a pie trash absolutely and and the, the twins have every right to be angry at him for it absolutely and so it's like um you know I guess he saved them the fighting, the infighting themselves. Which twin is gonna be able to have the dragon? Um, right? I think. Or is Bela there something where they is, can both? Bela is supposed to be the older twin by a couple minutes, so I'm sure. Okay. There would have the, been. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there would have been a. You know, Bela gets first, or if one twin doesn't want to be. I mean, we never really get the, like both of them want to be. Uh, who is the twin? God, I can't remember now. In the last episode, that was trying to hatch a dragon egg. In oh yeah, one yeah. of them was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I we could take that either as one of them is clearly more committed than the other, or I mean, maybe that twin would be the one being like, "No, I'm really committed to this dragon egg and hatching a dragon," and you try to bond with Vagar. Or there just was an awareness of a inheritance. Yeah, you know, for the one and yeah. so the, you know, oh, right. something like that. Right, the yeah. other doesn't really want it. I mean, yeah, I I feel like the show wasn't too focused on like the twins infighting over who gets. It was literally yeah. just both of them felt like, how dare you sneak in there? Which again, I feel is perfectly legitimate. 
doesn't mean I didn't yeah. feel sorry for Aemond and want mm-hmm. him to have a dragon, but this wasn't the way to go. Well, you know, at first I didn't think about it, but then after the fact, I'm like, yeah, I suppose he knew what he was doing. You know, it's like, oh, he's a kid or whatever, but clearly, you know, he understands the idea of having a dragon and how it is right. to like bond with one. And yeah, so. Right. He's so, no. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously been around like the dragon pit at yep. uh, at King's Landing and knows how like the bonding process works and like what's expected of a dragon rider. So yeah, yeah, he knew what he was doing. Um, and under different circumstances, I would have been happy for him, but not these. So I just had to say this show has the best dragons. They have the best yeah. looking dragons I've ever seen. I don't know if I've said it on the previous episode or not, but I just think they're the best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's, it's been they- fun to see the absolute like variety of different dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I feel like the show stumbled a little bit in introducing them and like the concept of how all of this would work and kind yeah. of like, underwhelmed us in the like amount of dragons that there would be and the potential riders that there would be but i feel like it's really picked up like i said in showing us like different kinds of dragons like doing visuals to really bring out like different personalities and see who's matching with who as far as dragon and rider i i really enjoy this and yep. well done on the budget being spent on the dragons yep um, so while we're on the dragon, uh, we talk about that scene and stuff. We you mm-hmm. kind of alluded to it way back earlier in the show. A lot of people complaining about it on Twitter and such about the, <laughs> uh, the, the dark manner in which this episode yeah. or large swaths of it were shot similar yes. to moments of, um, game of Thrones Fun. Yeah, Fun um, in this of later seasons. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting problem. Um, on the one hand, I I'm aware that people like to shoot in darkness and stuff for effects heavy things. They can kind of lean on it being darker. Therefore, you don't have to be as detailed and stuff. I don't know that that's happening here exactly. Um, they suggest that it's a choice. And um, I know that I think IGN has a page to tips on how to mitigate and change this so you can see it a lot better. Um, I just, I still have a problem with this because a person can have, I have two TVs that are pretty nice TVs, both HDR compliant, 4K HDR on both things, a device, you know, like it's, I don't have a terrible setup. And in fact, it's a pretty good setup. And I shouldn't have to go in and turn off HDR for watching your HDR compliant show because Mm -hmm. I play HDR games all the time and they look great. Um, There's all kinds of other content, movies and such that are HDR and they make their own choices in cinematography and I don't have these problems. So... To me, it is an odd thing, and you sure certainly shouldn't expect your audience to have to monkey with their TV settings in order to be able to see your show. Absolutely um, not. It, I understand there's a difference. I understand on one side being like, well, look, we want to have 
here's our reference monitors that we are using. And this is what we're doing to shoot our scene. And it's going to look perfect. Um, but by the way, the way it's going to be broadcast or whatever, we know most people are barely going to be able to see it. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's not okay. We would have, um, in school, you know, there was a reason that they would put, you'd have lines that when you're shooting something for television, you have to keep your important information inside of, because depending on your television and at the time rounded CRT screens and some of like that, a lot of information could be lost or cropped out. So you don't get to just say, well, I'm going to put something important on this side. And then, mm -hmm. well, I'm sorry, you can't see it because your TV isn't as good or something. Right. You have to be considering that. I, so there's just this needs to be this balance between you don't have to make content for the least, like the worst television set or something, mm -hmm. but you also can't expect the perfect settings of your $10,000 reference monitor you're using as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know there's there's something to be said about certain scenes being like okay darker than others. Um, you know, like things that really didn't bother me even though like the screen was so dark like Amon's nighttime ride on Vagar is on the whole a dark scene, but they played up the enough moonlight angle to like make it watchable. You know what I mean? And and I get that there's a commitment to realism, like Damon and Rhaenyra's conversation on the beach is like happening at dusk slash night, whatever. Like I get that in real time, you wouldn't just be like carrying a torch around so that right. we can conveniently see the episode, whatever. Like I totally get that. But like there are ways that you can figure this out. And if you want yeah. some scenes to be more believably dark than others, again, I'm going to mention the nighttime dragon ride. That to me was was fully believable. I had to to strain a little bit, but also it felt like, you know, like I was on Eamon's journey of like, I'm in the dark. I'm on, you know, it's at night, like this huge dark dragon, this huge dark night. It all sort of worked and there was nothing that I felt I was missing in not being able to see the the, the fine fine detail mm -hmm. because the essence of that was he's on the dragon and i got it and it was fine whereas like damon and rhaenyra's conversation like i i want to see facial expressions here people like i want to sure. see the finer points of these two actors playing off of one another and what nuance and meaning that gives to this conversation right now i'm missing something here and i'm frustrated right. about it so yeah, pick your moments. Like it's not, like I said, it's not unrealistic to have darker scenes and have things be, you know, a little smudgy, whatever. But you can't just shoot half an episode this way. Mm -hmm. You just can't. It's it's just unconscionable. And this is why this is why this is blowing up on Twitter right now because people are now frustrated and upset, and they're like, we thought. We got over this with Game of Thrones. <laughs> we, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. all blew up about it during this. And how did you not learn your lesson? So there's no excuses right. for this crap right now. I, you know, I wonder, because um, the other thing that strikes me is this isn't, it's not crushing the blacks. It's like not even getting that. It's just m monotone dark. It's nothing. You it's know? just nothing. Yeah. Because it's, um, it reminds me of, 
in the, back in the day when they would fake nighttime shooting in mm, movies. Yeah. You know, they're shooting clearly in the day, but they're putting filters over the lenses and stuff to make it look blue and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. day for night, Alan says. That's what it looked like. It's like, um, so you're just not getting, you're not getting any contrast anywhere, you know? Yeah, so nothing. it's just flat. Um, yeah. And I don't know if this is, again, hiding special effects, if this is prioritizing for only the specifically calibrated um, type of viewing experience in the dark that uh, they're hoping for, or if this, you know, if this is, you know, is this actually a choice or is it for the effect? I don't know. I don't know. But because I'm not, I'm not ready to sit and believe them for sure. Oh, this is our cinematic vision that we had. I'm trying to log in now on my laptop because it's plenty bright in here. And my laptop Mm -hmm. is probably the, uh, the um, best thing I have in terms of viewing whatever. And uh, if I get to in time, I will see what, uh, what those scenes look like and stuff. Sure. But I don't know. It's uh, highly disappointing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So like, like I said, I just just don't have problems with any other thing. There's nothing else. You know, sometimes a show is dark and it's like, yeah, it's best to be watched at night or when the lights are down. I get it. But I've just never had this kind of issue. No. Yeah. This isn't even dark. This is just like a blanket. It's, it's horrible. And it distracts from what I think is otherwise a very solid episode. And it's too Mm -hmm. bad. Let's see. Um, Okay. Here we are in the, in the darkness. (laughs) <laughs> leave this play well um so yeah we're talking about that we might as well talk about um um blah, 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 rhaenyra and damon yeah i was gonna say Pretty we should big. get into the last the last like 10 ish 15 ish minutes of this episode because a lot of things just like landslide one over the other okay i'm watching this on it's bright here but on my macbook pro fully capable of dolby vision HDR 10, whatever kind of high dynamic contrast, you know, they want to use. And um, it's still very dark. Yeah. Um, Like, um, it's certainly better than my television set, but that's to be expected. That's everybody. Everybody's phone screen or laptop screen or something is better than their television set. Almost everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still, uh, it's still too dark. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, one one of the uh, one of the things that is uh, happening in obviously these dark dark moments is something pretty mm-hmm. pivotal to the show that sets yes. up how how the closing of this episode goes, which is Damon and Rhaenyra finally admit and act on and act on being the important adjective here, um, yes. or the important action here, uh, act on their attraction for each other. And following this this beach time conversation, get down and dirty <laughs> <laughs> in the sand. They have, yeah, they do. They do. Little summer loving, um, <laughs> drifting away. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, so I mean, this is like huge. I didn't expect this to happen in this episode. I mean, I know there were a lot of like moments building to it, and I just wasn't sure if it ever was going to and. I because I, I wasn't sure if like Damon was still going to be a little bit resistant or not, and nope, 
Not anymore. Yes. <laughs> I is it is it wrong for me to be like about time? No, I no. Like, I mean, again, the show, we the show's saved, built that up. Yeah, they built it up, and again, so many things could have been probably fixed here and solved. I mean, right. Sorry for the kids, you know, whatever. But uh, you know, as far as the the kingdom, yeah, you would have had different children, and there'd be a bunch of yeah. other children that didn't exist. Right. Right. Um, which I mean, in my view, isn't a terrible thing because we haven't exactly seen the greatest, uh, behaviors and characters from the kids. I mean, Aegon, uh, Alicent and Viserys' firstborn is clearly just a little asshole. I said it last episode and my opinion of him, this episode hasn't changed. Uh, Aemond, who I did feel sorry for is now like kind of on my shit list too for being all sneaky <laughs> Helena's not bad, but we just don't really know anything about her. She's just kind of been like yeah. side piece character. Um, and Rhaenyra's children seem fine, although they're going to obviously have tough lives. Um, yes. Because everybody tries to like buy into this, you know, like they're Lanor's children, but we really know they're Harwins. But hey, don't ever really actually admit that or grieve for your father who just died, because then that would be admitting that that's your real father. So basically live a lie. Yep. So, yeah. So yep. it's just kind of like really sad for all these kids. And yeah, like you said, yep. a lot of things. And I think the show kind of points out that a lot of things could have been solved if, you know, everybody wasn't so like, oh, my God, Damon and Rhaenyra can't marry for like a no apparent reason. We're going to pretend that like them being uncle and niece is something horrific and not to be thought of. But hey, on the flip side, Otto Hightower suggests that she marry her own half brother and then later right. on, like, pushes Alicent to engage her literal own direct first children to each other. Because right. that little tidbit was slipped in that Aegon and Helena are betrothed. Which, right. has anyone checked on that poor girl? Like, I don't know <laughs> that she's, I don't know that she's going to be happy about this. And I don't know that she well, really even gets it. Because her mental that, state is something to be questioned. Was that for sure? Or was that suggested? No, that was definitely a, that was like a Aegon and Helena are going to get married. Okay. I definitely, I definitely wrote it down as like, it's like a thing. They're betrothed to each other. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody wants to pretend like Damon and Rhaenyra is this like horrible, incestuous, like awful thing when that's just like a really convenient excuse to keep them apart. Question mark. Yep. So, so I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I liked I liked that it finally happened. I liked yes. our wedding ceremony here and stuff. Um, yes, clearly meant to be legitimate. This. You know what yep. I mean? It's the it's the only like real ceremony that we've seen go off without a hitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we never saw Alicent and Viserys actually get married. Um, and then, you know, the the wedding that we were supposed to see, Lenor and Rhaenyra was obviously just like big feast interruptus. And then like a quickie, like back alley kind of ceremony with just like a small circle of people. So this is clearly yep. meant to be like the legit marriage of the show. Yep. Um, I guess there's one other thing. Well, okay. Two other things. I want to like, um, for sure, just what do you think of the scene at the end, the big family around the fire and we got the, yeah. um, Allison trying to stab 
uh, oh, yeah. Rhaenyra, and like the you know commanding uh, Sir Chris and Cole to like yeah. take the eye of someone, oof, and oof. then you got nasty, you know nasty. just all looks everywhere. Like who's gonna do what here? Yeah, and finally I'm gonna do it myself. Yeah. Um, how would you like how that scene all went down? I loved it because it was sort of a coming down off her high horse moment for Allison, and people did get to see that like she's not perfect obedient little queenie she can be vicious and violent and unreasonable because yeah I mean it's certainly reasonable for you to be mad about your kid losing an eye and want you know some sort of you know retro not retribution maybe but just like addressment of that you know and not just like boo it's an unfortunate accident because Viserys did gloss over it but at the same time like ordering a grown man to go take a small child's eye that I think for a lot of people pardon the expression was very (laughs) eye-opening uh in in terms of seeing aha I told you the puns man they get me um it was very eye-opening in terms of like people seeing Alicent as not just like this non-threatening little mousy character, whether that's good or bad for her in the future in terms of like inspiring fear, you know, and using that to her advantage is maybe a good thing. And then also for them understanding that like she is ruthless and maybe not someone to just, um, see as morally high or above everybody else or above the fray. You know what I mean? Like she just sort of had a reputation for like, let's, you know, come together and be peaceful. And I'm a good, dutiful little wife. And now everybody's like, whoa, like she tried to get her knight. Not only did she disobey Viserys, but she also tried to get her knight to attack a child. So. And you can Not see great. how many of your kids are turning out this way. You know, we saw a little bit then the last right. episode or whatever, but just like the kind of pressure she's putting on them, the sort of way right. that she talks to them and talks poorly about everyone else in their yeah. family. You know, yeah. um, it's kind of that thing where really, you know, using them as a as a vent, vent place to vent and uh, to lay my burdens upon you. Yeah, you're right. going to have some some problems, and you see how they differently rebel maybe the daughter is like pulling herself inward and that's how she manages and then the other kid is like you know f all this i'm you know i'm after women that's my kind of thing and then the other one's like gets you know takes it very seriously i guess you know and then the bullying on top of that's not helping out so right yeah um the giant ploy we can't get married we can't get married if uh, my husband knows alive. Right. And right. Right. And this conversation comes right after the pivotal, like, Lenor comes to a realization, like, I haven't been there. I've been a shit husband. Yeah. Finally mm-hmm. saying the right things. Like, I want to be <laughs> there. I'm going to recommit to our family. I'm going to be a father to these kids. Like, 10 and, years too late. Right. But, like, you're like, Oh, finally, we're going to get somewhere with you. And then like this conversation between Damon and Rhaenyra where they're like, oh, Laner's an obstacle. What are we going to do about that? So it feels like this huge sort of betrayal of this recommitment that he's made. But maybe it is and maybe it isn't. 
Yeah. Because, yeah, we we see them like talk about, you know, we're destiny, we're meant for each other. They're going through this marriage ceremony and they're talking, you know, there's a voiceover all the while of like, well, if we got rid of Laner, we're, you know, we're to be feared and respected and, you know, we'll have this like consolidation of power. So guess we're going to do it. And then we have, you know, Damon approaching his lover, Carl, to be like, I can give you gold, you can start over. So we feel like this whole, like, plot is being set in motion, and it really plays out that way while Carl attacks Lenor in the following scene. And then we have the big reveal of, okay, Carl and Lenor got into this sword fight, but somehow Lenor didn't die of, like, stabbing he died of being burned to death, which I immediately found super suspicious. I was like, that, that is some BS. Like this is Trixie, whether it's like Carl himself or whether it's Damon and Rhaenyra in on it too, which I would like to believe because I do like to think that Rhaenyra at least thought of Lenor as like a acquaintance, friend, ally, something, you know, like there was, it was, lukewarm friendship i don't know <laughs> something <laughs> um but yeah it felt it felt all very suspicious and then um we have the next scene where a shaved lanor jumps into the boat with carl clearly headed off um you know for distant lands to escape all of this yeah Cross the I was very, sea. yep i was very happy about <laughs> Do you have an opinion? Do you think it is one way or the other? Or uh, who knows who's responsible? Is this the plan all along? I, till proven otherwise, I feel like Rhaenyra would try to spare Lenor, And this is like a pretty simple way to do it. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't care about whatever random person got burned to death. So, you know, if they can if they can pull this off and it's really easy to do and pull a bait and switch and she gets to marry Damon but save her friend and potentially still have an ally out there somewhere if she's ever desperately in need, why not? And I don't sure. think Dam and I don't think Damon has enough passion either way to care about it to be like, no, we should just really kill him. Right. Like, why would he care? Yep. So who did burn? Some rando guard, probably. Yeah, right. We're, yeah, I guess, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's sad that that's like, okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, I have, I, I kind of like you. You're a nice guy. We've been friends since your childhood. Just pick someone right. to burn in your place, you know? Right. Like, that's fine. You know, you put your, you put your hair on them so yep. they can be seen the burnt. And, um, right. There it is, you know? Right. Should I pick someone that doesn't have a family? I don't care. Just just if, whoever, whoever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Could be someone you don't deal. ever like or who made fun of you one yeah. time or, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Could be the town drunk. Like the, I don't know. The cadence <laughs> of their walk, you know. Right. Right. Looked at you funny one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it. this show does just sort of set up that kind of, you know, yeah. loose morality in that like we're like oh well at least at least lenor didn't die and hopefully you know he escaped this life and he's gonna go start the life he wants i mean watching cyberpunk 
Right. <laughs> it's all kinds of stuff, you know, like right. not not good. Not good. <laughs> Our protagonists and heroes are aren't really heroes, you know. No, you they're look, not. Look they're at it from a realistic if this were a real point of view. They're yeah, they're anti heroes and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean when is Game of Thrones ever set up a truly good character? I mean, the closest I think we've ever had is Ned Stark. Jon Snow. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Jon John Snow, too, although he's done some stuff. But Ned Stark, I would say, is the closest thing we've had to, like, somebody who's always really trying to do the right thing. Yes. Yep. And look what happens. I, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. he is killed so soon, way before his time, shockingly before his time, um, mm -hmm. you know, at least to the audience. And yeah, so I mean, this universe is never just going to have good people because they're gone. Yep. Even even in this show, Lionel Strong. Yep. He is he is probably the closest thing to a good, truly good yep. character. And again, oft before his time. Yep. Absolutely. So. Way of the world. Yeah, we're never we're never here for the the good ones. We know that to survive, we have to have moral shades of gray in our character. Uh, George R. R. Martin took uh, only the good die young. Um, yeah, heart. very seriously. So, yeah. <laughs> well, anything else to be said on uh, this House of the Dragon episode seven? Um, no, I don't think I don't think. So. So, I mean, the only other thing that I think there is to be said is, um, you know, we, we definitely see Allison take some steps into doing possible further dark deeds. Um, you know, like at the end of the episode, we have Otto being like, man, you really proved to me that you're in it to win it. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's a very dark promise of respect and acceptance that she's going to be after from her dad that's going to mm -hmm. lead her to do some things and then you know laris offers like hey yep you want an eye i could go get an eye and she's like i'm not there but pause because later yeah. later yep. i could be there <laughs> so yeah i just i've yeah, got I your number feel, right exactly like i'll call you i'll call you yeah yeah so i just really feel like i said this this episode took us further into actual conflict. And I think it, that's what the show really needed. Yep. yep. Perfect. All right. All right. Um, that's hot D episode seven. Mm -hmm. Hope you are following along and into the game of family squabbles right now. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yeah next week should be the finale i believe so mm -hmm. we'll be watching that as well otherwise popcast on the rocks episode 122 really climbing up those numbers getting higher and higher um before long we'll be at our i think three-year anniversary mm -hmm. so all right otherwise um you know if you're behind on all those episodes and stuff and such they are available favorite podcast directory, YouTube, wherever you want. A bunch of the things are on Twitch yet if you're a Twitch user. So go ahead and pick your platform. Watch, listen, share, review, like, all that sort of thing. Maybe much appreciated. 
Um, well, I know we're not the only ones watching House of the Dragon. Some of you <laughs> are too. And then your friends are as well. So, you know, share it out. Share it out. Um, our theme song is written by Killing the Flower. They're on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify. So go ahead and check them a look. And otherwise, that'll do it from us. Thanks again, Andrea. And we'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good. Cheers, everybody.